everyone, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it is our desire and mission to help you find and follow Jesus. Today's message is from our brand new sermon series, My Shepherd. In this study, we are going through the familiar passage of Psalm 23 and rediscovering David's declaration, The Lord is my shepherd. This statement relays a total dependency on Jesus as our shepherd, guide, and Lord over our lives. We're focusing on the truth that God is a personal God and He wants to be your shepherd. And as a result of His ownership, we can follow Him boldly and rest confidently in His care. Let's take our Bibles and let's go to Psalm chapter 23 this morning. Psalm chapter 23 as we continue our study through the book. And uh, verse by verse, really it's more like phrase by phrase, I think. And uh, as we're covering it and really looking at it in depth and understanding what it is that God uh, is trying to show us from this passage. And uh, I believe this morning will be helpful to all of us as we continue. But I'm going to begin reading in verse number one today. And I'll read down through verse number three where we'll uh, continue our study. It says that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and he leadeth me beside the still waters. He, this is God, our shepherd, Jesus Christ, he is the one who restores my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. This morning I want to remind us as we get, really as we get started today, that this whole relationship that we're talking about here between Jesus, uh, the shepherd, and us, the sheep, is an intensely personal relationship. Of course, we know it's King David, and he is writing from the position of the sheep. We, of course, are uh, understanding what he's saying, and we're connecting ourselves into that. And he's speaking about his relationship with Jesus, who is our good shepherd. And within that relationship, what we find is not only is it very personal, uh, but what we understand is that when we as individuals have claimed Jesus as our own, what we can discover is what the world is searching for, which is true contentment, true satisfaction, and we can find refreshment for our soul through our relationship with God. As well, what we've learned in our study, specifically last week, we talked about the fact that Jesus is the great restorer. He is the one who restores those who find themselves in difficult situations, whether it's of their own making or not. He is always welcoming us. He is always turning to us. He's saying to us, you can return, you can come to me, and that relationship can be rebuilt and can be restored. In fact, the idea behind that word is that it's, re- it's, it's restored to as if nothing ever happened. And so he says that because he is our shepherd, because we can say he is my shepherd, we then can be restored completely to him. And he is always willing to go to great lengths to bring and to influence and to remind his sheep of their need of the shepherd and bringing them back into the safety of the fold. But this morning, we're going to continue in verse number three, and we're going to look at the second half. And what we're going to see is that The restoration that we talked about last week is not just something that happens in a moment. It's not just a a moment in time, but restoration, obviously it happens in a moment, but it is beneficial for the future. It is something that sets us up for what we're going to see as we continue here. It sets us up for a continued place, uh, a continued uh, place of faithfully walking uh, with our God. And so that's why David here continues by telling us that the shepherd, notice there, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, the reason that we first of all talked about restoration is to lead to this point. 
to lead to the point that it is God who wants to lead us into paths of righteousness. Now, why is restoration so important before we even get into this section? The reason is this, is because only a changed person can live a changed life. I want to say that again because I want you to understand that today. Only a changed person can lead a changed life. Somebody who is unwilling to change, someone who is unwilling to submit themselves to the shepherd, somebody who's uh, always pursuing their own, their own uh, ideas, they're always going after their own things, that kind of person will never see their life transformed unless, first of all, they are changed from within and through their relationship with the shepherd. Does that make sense? And so we have to understand that a changed life is necessary Uh, A changed person is necessary for a changed life. And a person that has been restored to God, someone who has repented of their sin, has repented of their own self-trust, of their wandering away, uh, someone who's returned to God from pursuing their flesh, then we are able to pursue what he's going to talk about here, the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So there's got to be that restoration first. And so i got to tell you, and I want to ask you, if you've not been restored to God, you need to make that decision. If you've not been saved, if you've not accepted him, made him your shepherd, then that's a decision that you've got to make before you're ever going to see change. We live in a world where everybody wants to change their life, right? They want, to, they want to do something, and they attach it to so many aspects of this world. But the truth is this, is that Jesus is the only one who can change you. And so you must, if you're saved, you must be restored to him. If you do not know him as your Lord and Savior, you need to trust in him. You need to put your faith in him. And so that is the, the, the ground here for where we are today Because if you're not willing to be led by the shepherd, if you've not been restored, the truth is you're just headed for a life of struggle. You're headed for a life of emptiness, a life of without proper sustenance. It'll be unhealthy. And frankly, the person that is unwilling to be restored or the person who's unwilling to make the Lord their shepherd will be without hope in this life. So what do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. Let's connect it into the sheep again. And I know I've been talking about sheep a lot, right? We're going to talk about sheep today again, just so we know. Jeanette said, wow, it was so interesting what we learned last week about sheep tipping over. Yeah, that was good. But we're learning so much about the sheep as we connect ourselves to them. So here's what I mean by all of this about we need to be restored in order to be led into paths of righteousness. It's a well-known fact that sheep need direction. Sheep need direction. Uh, They are extreme creatures of habit. Now, how many of you would say today, I'm a creature of habit? You know, you eat the same thing for breakfast every day. You know, you do the same, maybe not the same thing every day, but, you know, we're, we're a creature of habit. And sheep are, are much that way. If you leave a sheep to itself, if it's just free to do whatever it is that it wants, then it will constantly walk the same path. It will, in fact, graze the same pieces of grass over and over and over again until it is actually ruined. It's destroyed. A flock of sheep can decimate a pasture very quickly because when sheep are grazing, They will continue to pull at the grass. They aren't content to just take a mouthful and move somewhere else. They will eat that same spot until they have ripped the roots out from the ground or completely destroyed it, and then they'll move on to something else. And so because they're creatures of habit, they always return to the same places. They always walk the same paths. And what they do is eventually those paths begin to be worn out. They become ruts, and then they eat all of the grass so it's barren. Here's a picture of a field that's been decimated by sheep, and uh, and it's, I mean, completely barren. And then the ruts that they have when the rain does come, all the rain then runs into those ruts, and then it doesn't actually water the rest of the place. And so basically what happens is because they continually return to the same places, they're not being led anywhere, they will absolutely destroy, destroy the, uh, the, the field that, they, that they're feeding on 
Another interesting thing that happens is that as they uh, walk those same paths, as they're on those same fields over and over, it becomes a breeding ground for uh, their own feces and then parasites and worms and uh, nematodes and other harmful infections that, that get into sheep and cause death. And what happens over time is this. A flock, if it's left to itself out of its own ignorance, out of its own returning to the same place over and over again, what happens is that they'll destroy the very land that is meant to sustain them. This is why sheep need a shepherd. You didn't know that. Did you know that? Just, you know, I, I've always thought like, uh, you know, down at the campground, I've always thought like, why don't we just get a bunch of sheep, you know, to keep the grass short, you know, while I, you know, then I don't have to go cut the grass as much. No, they destroy it. Now I've learned it. I'm not getting any sheep or goats. My brother bought some goats once. I'll tell you this story. He had a very nice yard, and he bought two goats. The next time I visited him, he had no yard. <laughs> it was dirt, and those goats would come up to the glass window and go, Anyway, it was, really, it was really scary, actually. The first time a goat hits the glass sliding door and goes, and screams. You've seen screaming goat videos, right? Okay, that was my brother's goats. Anyway, but I've seen it firsthand. They will destroy it. So this is why they need a shepherd. And here's why. Here's what a shepherd does for a flock of sheep. A shepherd keeps them moving. A shepherd pays attention to the condition of the grass, the fields. A shepherd is, is concerned about the long-term sustenance and health and well-being of the sheep, not just its immediate wants. See, that's why a sheep will just stay there and just keep eating and eating and eating because it's only thinking about itself in the immediate. And they just think, I got to eat as much as I can because I may not get to eat later. And so they will just decimate and destroy eating everything. See, a shepherd, he moves them around. He cares. He guides them. He ensures their health and their well-being if they will follow him. And the care of the shepherd benefits the sheep, of course. But another side of it is that a shepherd who cares for their flock, it also benefits them. Because a flock that is well cared for and, and is, and is well fed and is, is healthy brings value to the shepherd as well. So what do we understand about this picture? What we understand is that in the same way, if we as sheep live our lives away from the shepherd, if we choose to always be left alone, always choose to go our own way, always desiring to be self-led and to be self-sufficient uh, without a really consideration of following the shepherd, what we will find ourselves in is we'll find ourselves in a place where we used to go for nourishment and we are no longer satisfied anymore. And we will waste away our lives and ultimately what happens is we become deficient, we become unhealthy and really waste away our lives in search of the next bite that will satisfy us for a moment. I hope you understand the picture there. Sheep, if they're left to themselves, they will just decimate ground. Us, if we are left without a shepherd, if we don't stay close to our shepherd, we will just continually return to the same things over and over and over again, seeking for satisfaction, but we'll never be satisfied. Some of you have lived much of your life that way. You've always been returning to the same things, never finding satisfaction. And maybe that's why you turn to Christ. And we're so thankful for that. But the reality of somebody who claims Christ as their shepherd but goes their own way is living like a sheep without a shepherd. And you will always be in search of satisfaction. You will always be desiring to be the master of your own way. It reminds me of Isaiah 53 and verse 6 where it says that all we like sheep have gone astray. What's the evidence of someone who's gone astray? We have turned everyone unto his own way. We decided to go our own way. We've decided to leave behind the shepherd. We've decided to go out and figure it out. And for the person who goes their own way, you may find satisfaction for a time, but eventually it will be less satisfying each and every time. And for those sheep, 
If they continually go to that field and they destroy that field, eventually there will be nothing left for them. And they'll become sickly and scrawny. And ultimately what's going to happen is they will die. They will die. So what's the answer to all this? Well, the answer is found, of course, in restoration that we've already talked about. Being restored to the Savior, getting back close to him, and when we are restored, and when we return to him, and when we submit ourselves to his care, we then place ourselves in a position to trust his direction and to trust his care. Because with Jesus as our true shepherd, he's always thinking about us. He has a plan, he has a path, and he has a purpose for his flock, and we can trust what he has planned for us. It is for our benefit, it is for our contentment, it is for our health, and it is for our usefulness for his glory. And so that's what we're going to see this morning as we continue in verse number three, where he, it says that he restoreth my soul, and now he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The first thing I want us to see in this passage is I want you to see the plan of the shepherd. I want you to see the plan of the shepherd. If you're taking notes, write that down this morning, the plan of the shepherd. Now, a good shepherd is always leading the sheep where they can be well-fed and growing. I've mentioned uh, the book, A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23 of Philip Keller. And in his book, he talked about how when he was a shepherd that he would um, constantly be going over his fields. And an interesting thought about him is that he actually lived in British Columbia. When he came from South Africa, he came to British Columbia, bought some land, and was a shepherd in British Columbia. And so he would walk his fields, as he talks about it, and he would walk, and he had several different fields, and he would go, and he had different paths that would lead to them, and he would always be walking his property, and he would put together, he would literally write down and put together a plan for sustaining his sheep. And so he'd say, okay, on Tuesday, we're going to be at this field uh, from 9 a.m. till, you know, 12 p.m. And then we're going to take the flock and we're going to move them over here. And he was very well thought out and very well planned because uh, he wanted to make sure that his flock would be led to different pastures, that they'd be well fed, and they would always be sustained. But the sheep didn't always want to move. He talked extensively about that, uh, how the sheep didn't always want to move. And he had a, a dog to help him move the, move the sheep. And he'd always try to get them along and because they didn't trust him. Even though that he had taken care of them for all these years, the sheep always struggled with their trust of the shepherd because they were so consumed with, I've got to eat as much as I can right now in this field. And so when he'd say, hey, it's time to go, they would, it would be a, a real struggle. They struggled to trust in his leading, and yet his plan was to lead them to green pastures. His plan was to lead them to good things. And I want you to know this morning that that's what God wants to do for you. God wants to lead you. He wants to take you where you can grow. He wants to take you where you can be satisfied. He wants to uh, take you where you can be content. But you must be willing to trust and you must be willing to be led. You must be willing to follow his leading. I love that first part of the verse where it says, he leads me. He, that's our savior, me, that's me. He leads me. How, how personal is that? He says, I want you to follow, I want you to come along with me. One Bible commentator, F.B. Meyer, he put it this way. He said, the shepherd always precedes the flock to discover the greenest patches of grass and the, grass and the least stony path. So does Jesus ever keep in front of the soul that trusts and loved him, loves him. And it is our task to allow as little space as possible. I love that. Allow as little space as possible between his footsteps and our own. The big thought is that if we stay close to our shepherd, if we allow him to lead us, we can safely navigate through the dangers and the challenges of life. 
but we must determine to let him lead us. He wants to lead us. He says, I I want you to follow me. Like a good shepherd, I want to take you to the right places. I want to take you where you will be well fed, but we must allow him to lead. And I think this is where we struggle so much as believers, isn't it? We struggle so much to put ourselves in that position because we view our relationship with God as more of a relationship of separation, don't we? I think in our minds, and maybe, maybe I'm the only, only one who's ever thought this, but sometimes we think our relationship with God is this. God is up there and he's like, hey, go there, <laughs> right? There, that's where you need to go. Good luck. <laughs> and we have this idea that God's just sort of pointing the way or kind of gives us an, an idea and I want you to end up over there and it becomes overwhelming, right? Because you read in scripture, you're to be a mature believer in the faith. You know, you're to have, you're to have joy in suffering. And so we say, okay, I'm still to have joy in suffering. How do I get there? And we, and we view it as this separation point, like, okay, this is where God wants me, but I don't know how to get there. I don't know how I'm going to do it. You've got to rethink that. God wants to lead you there. There's a great difference between being led somewhere and being pointed somewhere, correct? You remember like your first day, you know, at high school? You remember that? You know, grade eight, you go there and you're like, where do I go, <laughs> right? And somebody says, oh, your locker's on the third floor, you know, uh, by the other bathroom, you know, and they tell you, and you're just like, where, where am I going? There's a difference between that nice kid who came along with you and was like, hey, I'll show you where it is, right? Uh, this past week, I, um, I, I got to play in a charity golf tournament, which was really fun uh, for the VPD for, um, anyway, a friend of mine got me in, so it was really great. But I've never played in a golf tournament like this where there's 145 people, I think, Uh, So there's 18 holes in a golf course, right? There's two groups at every hole. Each cart has uh, two in each cart. So there's four carts uh, going to every hole. And we all start at the same time. I was so confused when I got there, you know. (laughs) Thankfully, another guy was driving. And we get there and I'm like, where are we going to go? How do you get, we start on the 13th hole. How do you get to the 13th hole? Because normally you start in the first and you drive along and, you you know, it's all laid out. How do you get to the 13th hole from the, the clubhouse? And I was totally confused until I saw these carts come out and they were the leading carts. It was great. And they said, okay, just follow me and I'm going to take you where you go. And I was so confused, but thankfully I had a leader that led me directly to where I wanted to go. And that's a great thing. You ever follow somebody who just takes off? They're like, oh, you'll find it. And they take off and you don't know where you're going. And it's frustrating. The point is there's a wonderful aspect of having somebody who's willing to lead you, who's someone who's willing to take you where you need to go. And that is the relationship that God wants with us where he says, hey, stay close to me and I will take you to where you need to go. Rather than him saying, be a mature believer, see ya. Hey, have joy in your suffering. No, no, no. He says, follow me, and I will take you to where you need to go. God wants to lead us. And we need to recognize that this is the relationship that God desires for us, that we would just simply trust him, that we would follow him down the path, understand that he has already been down. See, when, when Philip Keller was leading his flocks of sheep, he wasn't leading them not knowing where he was going. He would walk the fields early in the morning before he'd even let the sheep out of the pen because he knew where he was going to go. And this is the thing with our God. He knows where he's going, <laughs> and so we can trust him. He knows where he's going. You've probably followed somebody who didn't know where they were going, and <laughs> that's the worst. But it's great when you follow someone who knows what they're doing. And that's what God is. He knows where he's going. And he says, I want you to follow me. Let me lead you. And he has something and he has somewhere for he wants us to go. And he makes it very clear here in our verses. We continue and see the path of the shepherd. So the plan is, let me lead you. The plan is, follow God. The path, as we see in the verse there, is that he's going to lead us in paths of, say it with me. What is it? Righteousness. He's going to take us and lead us into paths of righteousness. The plan of the shepherd 
is that you would get on the path, and the path that he is on are the paths of righteousness. Now, what is righteousness? Righteousness is what is right. It is what God determines as right, and we can trust it, and that is what is right. And so we need to follow and get on the path of righteousness. And we need to understand that God will never lead us to any other place but that which is right. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 20, there's a, a wonderful promise in here where he says that I lead in the way of righteousness, in the midst of the paths of judgment, that I may cause those that love me to inherit substance, and I will fill their treasures." Now, the picture that we see here is a God who says, I'm going to lead you in the right way, and if you follow me in the right way, there's going to be a blessing on the other side. Now, we see the word treasure, we think gold, right? God's going to give me a pirate's chest of gold. No, that's not what it means. The idea is he's going to give us contentment. He's going to give us satisfaction. He's going to provide for us what we need. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of things outside of money that are far more precious to me. And I think you understand that the longer you live life, there's so much more that's more precious to us than finances. And he says, though, if you will follow me, I'll lead you in the way of righteousness. And there's a blessing on the other side. And God wants to desire or God desires to lead us in a path that is good. These are the way to, of course, eternal life. This is the way through the storms and challenges of this earthly life. And they're what you and I need in order to navigate with joy and with purpose our days on this earth. But... We as sheep often resist this because just like sheep, it goes against their natural tendencies to follow a shepherd in the same way it goes against our natural tendencies to follow after Jesus, our shepherd. We want to stay with the familiar, don't we? We want to stay with what we know, what we've experienced. We want to see what is in front of us. I'm not going to say this. Well, I'm going to say this unequivocally. We are stubborn people, aren't we? We are stubborn. We are self-willed. We are self-confident. We are selfish. <laughs> we are all of those things that we want what we want and we think we know what is best. We're so much like Proverbs 14, 12 that says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And we look at that, we think, ah, oh, the way I'm in, the ideas that I have, that's not the one that's going to lead me to death. But the point being is that all of us have a way that seems right to us. And we have this thought and we have this direction and we think this is where we need to go and this is what I need to do. But unfortunately, it may not be that those paths are the paths of righteousness. So what are the paths of righteousness? What are, they, uh, what are those paths that we should be giving on, get, getting into? And, and if you want to jot these down real quickly, you can. I'm just going to reference them. These are things that we won't take a ton of time to dig into, um, but obviously, the path of righteousness involves the word of God, doesn't it? That's where you start with everything. You got to start with the word of God. You got to start with the directional manual that he's given to us. It is all you need. Within it, it holds for us the example of the life of Christ to follow. Of course, we know we have the illuminating work of the Holy Spirit that uh, really reveals to us what the word of God is saying. But not only that, not only do we have the word, not only do we have the Holy Spirit, not only do we have the examples that are found within scripture, but we also have the testimony and the influence and the wisdom of other believers that have walked the path of righteousness as well. And so when you take all of these things and you combine them together, the word, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the examples in scripture, uh, other believers, wisdom of godly friends and leaders, God has given to us everything that we need to be on the right path. So don't misunderstand that the, the paths of righteousness is not some mystical thing. It's not like, uh, you know, you're just waiting for God to speak to you in this voice, you know, Christian. 
you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what he would say to you. I don't know. <laughs> but we're not waiting for this odd experience. He says, I want to lead you if you'll get on the path of righteousness. And here's what God has said. Here it is right here. So you need to know it. You need to understand it. You need to hide it in your heart. You need to get behind it. You need to believe it. You need to trust it and follow this path. Now, I got to tell you, the path of righteousness is not always the easiest one. Let's make that clear. (laughs) The path of righteousness is not always the easiest one. But I got to tell you, it is the only one that will lead you to true victory and lead you to true joy. I want to illustrate this uh, in this way. A few years ago, um, Julius and I went on a hike in Alberta. You remember this? And it was hard. <laughs> That's all I got to say. It was hard. It was hard. This is just like, this is probably one of the easier spots, actually, <laughs> now that I look at it. Uh, it took us, I don't remember how many hours it took us, um, but it was, it was rough. It was tough. And uh, I even got a, got a little bit from his GoPro here of uh, some of the things that we were doing. And sorry about the angle there, but uh, we're, <laughs> uh, this is the kind of stuff that, that we got ourselves into unknowingly, I'll just say. Unknowingly, we got ourselves into some kind of tough uh, situations. But the point I'm trying to make here is that while it was very difficult and while it was very hard, it was extremely rewarding, extremely rewarding. Because at the end of this, when we finally got to where we wanted to be, you know, we ended up with views like this. I mean, come on, right? That's amazing. (laughs) Uh, The views uh, from where we were were just fantastic. Now, that's not me. I flew my drone. Just so you know. (laughs) I didn't jump or anything. (laughs) Um, But we saw, I mean, we got to experience probably one of the best views and one of the highest altitudes that I've ever been able to climb to. And it was amazing. And I just got to show this one because I love this photo. It's one of my favorite photos. I mean, it's just steps away from death, right? Those are the best photos. (laughs) This is after we both hugged and like, we made it. (laughs) We didn't die. Don't tell our wives, right? They're hearing it now for the first time. But it was, it was hard, and it, and it was difficult. But man, at the end, it was so rewarding. It was amazing, and, and, and it was just incredible. But something happened on our way back down the mountain that was equally hard, but didn't result in the same result. You remember this? Yeah, okay, he remembers. <laughs> he remembers. I decided, I said, hey, I think we should go this way on the way down. We were trying to actually make it a little bit easier, so we thought, and I thought, well, if we go this way, it'll maybe be a little bit easier, maybe a little bit faster. So we just took a cut and we just went down the mountain a different way. And what happened is that we got stuck. We were like completely grown. I mean, it was really bad. It took us way longer. We did get lost. We don't know where we were. We were trying to figure it out. Um, and it was, it was equally hard and it didn't result in anything good. So here's the point I'm trying to make. In both of these situations, it was difficult. It was challenging. But one ended up with the joy and just the amazing views and the feeling of satisfaction, the other one ended the day kind of on a negative note. I don't know how mad he was at me. I think he forgave me by now, I think. But I could sense a little tension, you know, because he took my lead and he's like, okay, I'll follow my pastor, you know. <laughs> Into the woods <laughs> to be eaten by a bear. No, it was, it, was, uh, it was pretty sketchy, to say the least. But he... <laughs> It ended up just in a rough situation. So this is, this is how it is, okay? This is a lot of the way that it is in our walk with God. The, the path of righteousness isn't always what we think it should be. It's not as easy as we think it should be. 
And, and sometimes the path of righteousness goes against the path that other sheep are on. Jesus put it this way in Matthew 7. He said that, Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in there. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Now, in life, it's hard to limit our flesh. It's hard for us to put aside our prideful ambitions. The future of following God can seem unknowable and scary. But I want to remind you today that we walk by faith and we don't walk by sight. And history and our past experience teaches us that the path of righteousness is always the path that you want to be on. It is the one that leads to the greatest satisfaction. And even sometimes, and this is the truth, sometimes the path of righteousness is difficult and it is hard. And sometimes it doesn't turn out how you think it will, but at least you can put your head down at night knowing that you follow the Lord. <laughs> at least you can put your head down at night content, understanding that he is going to work things out for his glory and for our good. The path that our shepherd leads us on is always right, and it is always in line with his word. You know, sometimes people tell me that God is leading them to a place that is outside of the word of God. And that's a, that's a, 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 a very odd conversation, to be honest with you, Andy. Like sometimes I'll talk to people and they'll be like, they'll be like oh, uh, pastor, uh, uh, you know, uh, God wants me to do this thing. And I'm like, well, you know that's sin, right? Like it says it in the Bible, <laughs> like this is sin. Uh, and they're like, no, no, for sure, God wants me to do this. And I can show them verse after verse after verse, like this is what the Bible says about this. And they're just convinced, no, this is, this is what I'm gonna do. God led me to do this sin, okay? I wanna tell you, that's not what God does. So number one, if you feel like you're being led into something, that's not the path of righteousness. Just be aware of that. Because when we get convinced of that, and we do that sometimes, we convince our own minds of that, we find ourselves falling into the mentality of our culture, which is simply follow your heart. Do what feels right for you. That's what our culture says. The world tells us that there's no absolutes, that whatever you think you should just do and just go and do it. But scripture gives us a different approach. He says, don't trust your heart. Don't trust your instincts. Don't trust your feelings. Trust God. Follow me. Get on the path of righteousness and trust what he has for you. And the reason you can trust God, and here's what's so great about it. You can trust God because he loves you, because he gave his son for you, because he wants you to know his path. He wants you to be fulfilled and experience that joy and contentment and peace. And so you must trust and you must follow his path. And you will never go wrong following the path of righteousness because it is for your good. But I also want you to see here that it is for a great purpose. So thirdly, we see here the purpose of the shepherd, the purpose of the shepherd. Let's look again at verse number three. He says, he restoreth my soul and he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness. Say those last four words with me. I'm almost done. Ready? For his name's sake. Okay. So God says, I want you to follow me. And I'm not only just going to lead you somewhere, I'm going to put you on a path and I'm going to put you on a path of righteousness that is right. It is in line with his word. It's a, it's a place that you want to be, but there's a reason behind it. There's a purpose behind it for his name's sake. So here's what it all comes down to. God is going to lead you correctly. God is going to lead you in the right way because we represent him, because his name is on the line. See, it's embarrassing for a shepherd to have a flock full of infested, disgusting sheep. <laughs> that means he doesn't care for him. But for God 
Because we hold his name, because we are his children, he is going to lead us in the right path because his name is at stake here. He says, his name's sake. Now, that phrase is a, a, a phrase that we see throughout Scripture, and it's commonly used to bring, and, and really what it means is to bring God glory in your life. It means that God is going to be glorified in your life. So he's saying here, I want to lead you on paths of righteousness so that I will be glorified through your life. That's what he's saying. Very simply, I want to lead you in this so that you will be uh, that, that I will be glorified through you. And so what this means is that we must live our life glorifying uh, for the glory of God and not only honor God with our lips, but honor him with our lives. Like James says, to be a doer, not just a hearer. And, and the truth of this is that even if you're struggling with finding and following God's will for your life, what you can understand is that it's God's will for him to be glorified through you. So that's a great place to start your Christian life. If you're wondering, where do I go? Maybe you're just sort of getting restored. You're just getting back to following after God. You say, where do I start? You start with glorifying God in your life. You start by glorifying him through your actions. And you can do that by placing your life in his hands, by following the paths of righteousness, and choosing to make him the focus of your life's pursuit, to make your life about bringing honor and glory to his name. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's a familiar verse for all of us, but the point being, everything that you do should be done for the glory of God. And if you are saved today, understand this, church, if you are saved your purpose is to bring glory to his name. I love 1 John chapter 2 and verse 12 where he says, I write unto you little children. He says, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. What is he saying here? He's saying that I died on the cross. I made it possible for your sins to be forgiven so that I would receive glory through your life. So at the baseline of everything, God desires to bring glory through you. So the question that we need to be asking ourselves is this. What kind of name does God have in my life? When people look at how I express my faith, is God receiving any glory? Now, that's one of the toughest questions to really ask ourselves as believers. Is God receiving glory through the way that I'm living my life? And I'm not just talking about internally and your walk with God and your devotional life. Those are all very important, of course. But we are called to not only live for God internally, but we are called to bring forth the praises of him who's called us out of his glorious life. You remember that in First Peter. We are called to express our faith. We are called to be a, a light and salt in this world. So how are you bringing glory to God in your life today? And this is where the application really hits home. Because it's easy for us to say, I want to follow the shepherd, right? It's easy to say, I want to be in paths of righteousness, but it's a whole nother level when you add God's name to it. You know, it's interesting how much power there is in a name, right? In our world today, you know, if you were to take a pair of shoes, here, Max, give me your shoe. <laughs> Just because he's got nicer shoes than me, right? So this is a nice shoe. I don't know how much it's worth. It's worth a, a little bit of money, right? But if you were to take this same shoe here, good, all right. Gets, but if you were to take this same shoe and on the side here, you were going to do a little design and it says off-white and it has like a little zip clip on it, you know what I'm talking about, Chris? This shoe is, adds $1,000 in value. Now, I don't recommend doing it on yourself. Chris knows what I'm talking about. Here, here's another one. If you were to take a, a Jordan shoe and it was to be a custom, one-off, Louis Vuitton version, 
Check it out on StockX. We're talking $3,800 then. The same shoe that probably, I don't know how much it costs to make this shoe. Probably like we'd be embarrassed if we knew how much it costs to make the shoe. And you just add a name to it, Louis Vuitton, right? And it just jumps in value. Thank you, Max. (laughs) So here's my point. We have so much value because of whose name we represent. And I want you to get that. You represent God, and he wants glory through you. And because of that, because we have his name, because we are his children, because he is my shepherd, we have tremendous value to bring. And so God's not going to leave his valuable things just wandering about, getting into trouble, eating themselves sick, destroying what he has blessed them with. No, he wants to lead you. But it all comes back to you have to decide, I want to be led by God. I want to be led by God. And that's the big, big thought today. He wants to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's probably the most powerful aspect of it is that it's because of him, because of his name. So how are you bringing glory to God in your life today? See, our shepherd desires to lead us because of his love for us. And when we choose to follow him, when we find out those wonderful blessings that come with belonging to him, and I gotta tell you, there's no better life that brings more adventure, more excitement, more danger (laughs) than following Jesus Christ. (laughs) Because he will lead you to do things that you never thought you could do in your life. My life is radically changed because one day I said, I'm gonna follow God. So many of you, it's the same story. You are in such a different place than where you would be and a different place than maybe your siblings or others in your family that know God because you decided one day, I'm gonna follow Jesus and he's led you to to accomplish and see things done that you never thought would be possible. And it's because he desires to bring glory through your life, but you must surrender. There must be that leading. Now, yes, it's challenging. There's situations that don't make sense. There's hills to climb. There's struggles to overcome. But if you look and see that his plan is to lead us, that his path is predetermined with our good in mind and that his purpose is to glorify his great name, then we can evaluate our direction. We can evaluate our life and we can make that decision to follow him. So my my question for you is this today. Would you choose to follow Jesus? Would you choose to get as close to him as you can and say, God, put me on that path of righteousness, trusting, trusting and knowing that he's leading you to a place that will bring glory to his name. And that's exciting. That's exciting. That should be something that gets you fired up. Whoop, whoop, fired up. Man, God wants to have glory through your life. It's pretty amazing. We hope that today's message was a help to your relationship with God. To stay connected with us, you can like us on Facebook or give us a follow on Instagram at Van City Baptist. Our prayer is that God will uniquely bless and grow you as you pursue His will for your life.